This evening's talk was uh, inspired by someone who came to visit our sangha um, a number of weeks ago. So whenever I taught last, which feels like it's been a number of weeks, um, and she came up and said something on the lines of, nobody talks about loneliness in their Dharma talks. Why don't, why don't we hear about loneliness? Um, I'm not sure that that's entirely true. I think maybe loneliness has probably been talked about. It's such a common human experience. But um, when I thought about what did the Buddha have to say about loneliness, it's true. He didn't really talk about loneliness. So it's not something that you'll find really in, in the suttas, as far as I know. And yet it is a part of our experience, not only just in life as human beings, but in our spiritual practice, in our meditation, in our meditation here in our day-to-day, in our meditation when we go on retreat. It's very common to experience loneliness. And so I thought this was um, a really wonderful request that she made. I don't think she's here Um, but um, hopefully she listens to the the podcast. (laughs) Um, And so when I was thinking about this this theme of loneliness and and not being able to find much from the Buddha on on this exact term, you know, then I start going to, what do I, what have I experienced? What do I know about loneliness? What is it exactly And it seems to me, uh, for one, very obvious that this is just another mental state. It's just another mental state, the feeling of loneliness. And I don't mean to say just as in, you know, um, to demean it in any way or that it's simple or um, that it's not worthy of our attention. But I mean it in this way of just another mental state that it's not actually special uh, compared to other mental states that we've had. And yet, it's a mental state that I think is very sticky when we're in it. How many of you have experienced loneliness at some point in life? (laughs) Yeah. All of us. It's part of our human experience. So what's up with that? Where is that coming from? Why is it so common? Why is it that we live in a world that is incredibly populated, and yet loneliness is such a common experience? Why is it that at this point in time, when we are um, connected in many different ways now, it's hard to live Uh, in an isolated way with multimedia and social media and um, all these new ways to communicate, where is the loneliness coming from? And so when we look at our own experience of where does the loneliness come from, perhaps it's coming from this um, almost... uh, almost like a, a primal need to be understood. I think 
as human beings, we have a primal need to be understood, to be seen. Hi, welcome. Uh, to then to connect. In fact, sometimes I think um, our need to be understood or to be seen gets translated in our mind as our inability to connect or not uh, feeling a connection with another person or a group of people. And as mammals, um, this goes against uh, our biology. It goes against our biology. Our biology is to be connected. Now, the truth is that we are connected. We're very much connected. But we're in, when we're in the state of loneliness, uh, our mind doesn't believe that. It can't even see it. It can't experience the connection that we actually have. It's almost like we're living on kind of a superficial level of human experience rather than the deeper experience of being human or just being alive. Forget human, just being alive. And so when we're in this superficial experience, level of experience of being human, um, this loneliness can arise. I think uh, this loneliness can sometimes turn into uh, depression. I think a lot of the times when we have the feeling of depression, there's a feeling of loneliness. Perhaps the two go together often. I think uh, when I think of this mental state of loneliness, I also think of fear. There's a lot of fear underneath the experience of loneliness. Fear of what? Maybe fear of never having the connection again. Fear of always being alone. Fear of uh, maybe even our own mortality sometimes comes in there. I think often loneliness is connected to a fear of death, that being alone in that moment of, of death. There's something to that. And again, it's, it's uh, connected to this real primal need. And yet, even though it's connected to this primal need, it's really just a confused mental state. It's a confused mental state that's just on the surface of reality and not actually uh, being born out of how things really are, the truth of how things really are. I think we, we realize this, too, when we come out of our loneliness. Something often snaps us out of it. It's just a quick connection with somebody in line at the grocery store or a phone call from a friend or in some way where we've been uh, generous or we've reached out and suddenly made that connection and the loneliness uh, disappears. Or perhaps it's loneliness because we're missing someone so dearly but all of a sudden we forget to miss that person and we're in a different state of mind. 
this loneliness, this mental state, just like every other mental state, is impermanent. It doesn't last, even though it's so sticky when we're in it, and it can feel like it will last forever. When mixed with depression, I think this especially is felt, that this will never end, that we'll always be in this state forever. And this is just not true, although it seems so true in the moment. But it's not true at all. think that there's an interesting thing that happens in loneliness where we can be among many different people. We can be here in the city and surrounded by people and feel alone. Surrounded by others and feel completely alone. In fact, I think what happens sometimes is we identify with the loneliness. We are lonely in our loneliness, as if no one else would understand how we're feeling in that moment, alone. And yet everyone here, I believe, raised their hand when I asked the question, have you ever experienced loneliness? Or maybe it's not feeling loneliness in our loneliness. Perhaps it's feeling loneliness in our sadness, or loneliness in our fear, or loneliness in our anxiety, loneliness in our uncertainty of what's going to happen next, loneliness in the idea of ourself as being perhaps special in some way, or not special enough. You know, sometimes I think about um, our, our Western American culture how we put a lot of emphasis, especially you know, as we're growing up, on how um, special each one of us is, um, as if not everyone else was. You know. The secret is, when you're growing up, that all the kids are being told that they're special in some way, and that makes us not so special. <laughs> but when we have this culture of specialness, what happens is, Depending on who you're next to, you either feel more special or less special, or your hope is that you're somewhere equal, probably. And so we get into this um, uh, habit of comparing ourselves to whomever we're standing next to, the comparing mind, the judging mind. There's a lot of loneliness born out of this, this feeling of separation in some way this feeling of better than, less than, equal. It's all kind of ridiculous, actually. <laughs> it's all in our minds. It's just habit that we have in, in our way of living here. But this, too, can bo- uh, uh, bear the fruit of loneliness. And so we can be among so many different people and think that we're the only one experiencing what we're experiencing. Those of you who are, uh, work in service in some way with other people, maybe a therapist, social worker, teacher, uh, doctor, um, meditation teacher, 
you begin to realize very quickly as you hear the concerns and stories of other people just how alike we really are. And what's so interesting that I found uh, for myself as a meditation teacher and um, guiding people through their their spiritual practice, whether in day-to-day life or on retreat, how many of us feel like we're the only ones going through what we're going through. And yet the next person who walks through the door might tell the exact same story and feel the exact same way. We feel so isolated in our singularity that doesn't exist. It's really something. And we're convinced of it. Even with people we trust saying, oh no, that's not true. Or maybe even hearing another person tell their story and relate to it. But we forget, because it's such a deep habit, this idea of separateness, aloneness. It's just that superficial understanding of what it is to be alive. Because we can also experience with nobody around. I'm sure many of you have experienced being in a place where nobody's around and you felt so connected to life. Whether you were watching a sunset, you're walking through the woods, uh, you're just... standing in an empty BART station and just feeling connected to life. How many of you have experienced something like that before? Yeah. So we can experience both. We remember the one more than the other. (laughs) We're wired that way. You've all heard the expression about being hardwired for uh, the negative experiences, negative sticking like negative experience sticking like Velcro, positive experience uh, sticking like Teflon. Because <laughs> we're always on alert, right? Our survival mechanism, always on alert for what might go wrong, what's not quite right. So we remember the loneliness and we forget the connection that we've actually experienced both. We've actually experienced both. And on a relative level, um, both are true and both are not true. It just depends on the mind moment. So the Buddha didn't talk a lot about loneliness. But he did talk about um, other similar words or the opposite of loneliness, actually. Not similar words, but the opposite of of loneliness. Um, He talked about uh, generosity and service. He talked about one of the ways to open this heart through metta or compassionate action is to actually be uh, in, generos- in an act of generosity or service with others. And so if, that, if this is something that you're experiencing, the experience of loneliness, uh, to actually seek 
ways to feel that connection again. To seek what you have experienced before, that, that sweet connection to life. Then, of course, there are the Brahma-vihara practices, the heart practices, loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, sympathetic joy. All of these are to be cultivated. And all of these, we have an innate connection or, or understanding of the connection with being alive, connection with each other. How does that move the heart and mind when we are in connection with others? the Brahma-vihara practices. More than those two things, uh, the generosity service and the Brahma-viharas, he talked about solitude. He talked about uh, the experience of aloneness versus loneliness. And he put great emphasis on the importance of solitude. And so solitude and loneliness are two very different things, although they sometimes get misunderstood to be the same thing. This practice, when we come here, we're sitting all together, but we close our eyes, we get really still, or still-ish, still as we can, and we go inward. We're not turning to our neighbor, we're not communicating with each other, We are creating a place of solitude. And this is because this is part of the instruction uh, from the Buddha to cultivate the mind and the heart. We need to actually create a sense of solitude. Solitude being different from a feeling of non-connection with life and with each, each other. That's not what solitude is. In fact, when we're in that place of solitude, when we're in that place of stillness and alertness, when we're really in our body, when we're being mindful and concentrated, we feel that experience of connection, no matter who's around us. We can't help it we're actually more in tune with who we really are as alive beings in that moment than we are when we're feeling that loneliness. And in that, there's a place of solitude. It's, kind of, it's interesting to think about it in this way. So often when we go on retreat or when we're in our practice, um, it's really easy to, to misunderstand the solitude that's being developed as loneliness because we just don't recognize the solitude as a positive necessarily. Some of us love it. Some of us, myself included, love the solitude. You know, if you're an introvert <laughs> type, you seek those moments out. And for some, it's absolutely terrifying and feels completely wrong <laughs> to be with people and not to talk with them or to connect in some way. And um, this is understandable for both types, introvert, extrovert, 
oftentimes the experience of loneliness arises on retreat. Out of the solitude, out of that lack of, or that feeling of lack of connection with others. And in those moments, really, again, we're in that superficial layer of needing somehow to validate our own worth, our own uh, identity by somehow getting that connection from other. And so what the Buddha is asking us to do is actually to create that solitude in ourselves so that we aren't so needy in this way, that our happiness is not dependent on other people's thoughts about us or our thoughts about them. This is not so easy to do. But once experienced and practiced and then even mastered, it in itself becomes this beautiful refuge. This is from the Buddha. Be an island unto yourself. Be your own refuge. There is no other refuge. Let the Dharma or the truth of how things are be your island. Make Dharma your refuge. There is no other refuge. And this is from uh, the Dhammapada. No one saves us but ourselves. No one can and no one may. We ourselves must walk the path. Buddhas only show the way. And so in this solitude, there is an aloneness that is very true and necessary. That even though we chanted in that chant that we chanted earlier, the three refuges at the very end, Sangha, um, we talk about Sangha quite a bit in, in our community here because it means Sangha, our community. Uh, we use it in, in, in this tradition to represent uh, us as a Sangha. Um, in, in most Buddhist traditions, it's representing the lineage of monks and nuns who are holding the teachings and offering the teachings these spiritual guides, spiritual community um, that we can rely on, that we can take refuge in. And yet, and yet, this path of coming to more clarity, of awakening, of seeing things how they really are, can only be done from within. So there's the saying that all these different teachings, all the different teachings, uh, the Buddha himself, all the different teachers, the Sangha, they're all just fingers pointing at the moon. They are not the moon themselves. So we come and we listen to the Dharma talks, and we even talk amongst ourselves about our practice. We read. Um, we listen to Dharma Seed. We go on retreat and um, get practice interviews with the teachers there. All of this is really great. 
It's wonderful guidance. It's important, actually, on our path. And yet, it's not it. It's not it. The development and the experience and the actual knowing of awakening, that will be done by nobody else but yourself. There is an aloneness to that truth. There's an aloneness to that truth. And it's not just about our spiritual development. Um, I can't help but relate it to the experience of birth as I'm going through my own process. Uh, When I was earlier along in my pregnancy, I deeply desired connection with other pregnant women because it just felt like they would be the ones that would understand <laughs> what I was going through. And, and, um, and so I sought out groups and prenatal yoga and all this stuff. Just, I just loved being around other pregnant women because I felt understood. I felt seen. I felt connected there. And that was all very good and well. And yet, they won't be in the birthing room with me. <laughs> In fact, I'll be surrounded by people probably in the birthing room, but none of them will be giving birth. That will be my own undertaking. And yet, it's not an individual experience. The experience is shared by many in this room. The experience of giving birth, and by everyone here, (laughs) the experience of being birthed. When an animal in the wild or domestic is about to give birth, what do they do? They find solitude. They go hide. They go find somewhere to be alone. And so sometimes this is what we're asked to do in our practice is actually find that physical aloneness, that solitude, because what we're undertaking is in fact something that is deeply in, uh, experienced in aloneness. <laughs> Death is the same way. Oftentimes when an animal is about to die, they also in that time find solitude. Humans are not much different. Many, many stories of people dying where... The person was hanging on for for a long time, perhaps. And the family's there. Loved ones are there. And then the moment the loved ones, everyone leaves the room for a moment, they let go. Or their loved one falls asleep by their bedside and they pass. Finding that moment of solitude to go through what can only be experienced in that aloneness. In this practice, it's not much different. It's so interesting. The bookends of our life are not that much different from what comes in between. And what's needed in order to actually fully come to understanding is this solitude, the experience that will only be experienced in aloneness, not to be um, 
misunderstood as loneliness. When we are lonely, we're experiencing something more in fear. When we're in solitude and aloneness, there's no room for that fear. My own experience has been that there's no room for the fear of, of death. There's no room for the fear of unknown. Even the experience of emptiness. There's just nothing, there's no room for that when we're in that solitude, in that space of aloneness. So it's possible to in fact transform our loneliness to aloneness through this practice. So there's many different ways, many different antidotes to loneliness, but in terms of this practice, this is one of the one of the ways that is offered is actually to understand our loneliness for what it is and perhaps find just by even looking in and becoming aware and understanding the loneliness. Where is this coming from? Dropping in a little bit deeper. Oh, there's fear. There's not knowing. Uh, There's wanting here. Uh, There's greed here. I'm needing something from someone else or a community of others. Fully understanding this and realizing that 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 understanding of loneliness is actually coming from something quite deep something that is coming out of the solitude that's needed to experience and explore that loneliness. And right there, there can be a switch from experiencing it as loneliness to actually experiencing it, pulling back a little bit, being in the solitude, the aloneness, experiencing just another mental state. Does that make sense? I have these notes. I'm not using them at all. Let me see if there's something else I want to say about it. Mm. I have um, an excerpt from uh, a talk that Aya Kema gave on this topic. I'll read you a little bit about uh, a little bit from this. Ayakema was um, a really uh, renowned, well-respected Buddhist nun. I believe she was one of the first um, Westerners to ordain in uh, the Theravadan tradition. She's from Germany. She says that There are two kinds of solitude, that of the mind and that of the body. Everyone is familiar with solitude of the body. We go away and sit by ourselves in a room or a cave or tell the people we're living with that we want to be left alone. People usually like that sort of solitude for short periods. If this aloneness is maintained. It is often due to people not being able to get along with others or being afraid of them because there isn't enough love in their own hearts. 
often there may be a feeling of loneliness, which is detrimental to solitude. Loneliness is a negative state of mind in which one feels bereft of compassion and companionship. When one lives in a family or community, it is sometimes difficult to find physical solitude. It's not even very practical. Anybody find this? (laughs) Hard to find the physical solitude in your day-to-day life? It's not even very practical. But physical solitude is not the only kind of aloneness there is. Mental solitude is an important factor for practice. Unless one is able to arouse mental solitude in oneself, one will not be able to be introspective, to find out what challenges in oneself are necessary. Solitude, and this is, actually I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff. Uh, Solitude can only be fully experienced when there is inner peace. Otherwise, loneliness pushes one to try and remedy a feeling of emptiness and loss. Where is everybody? What can I do without some companionship? I must discuss my problems. Mindfulness is able to take care of all that because it has to arise in the present moment and has nothing to do with the future or the past. Listen to these statements. They're not about this moment. This loneliness is not born with really being in the moment. Where is everybody? What can I do without some companionship? I must discuss my problems. All these stories that surround the loneliness, uh, they're really very much um, related to our sense of future and past. And so she says, mindfulness is able to take care of all of that because it has to arise in the present moment and has nothing to do with future or past. It keeps one totally occupied and saves one from making mistakes, which are natural to human beings. But the greater the mindfulness, the fewer the mistakes. Errors on the mundane level also have repercussions on the super-mundane path because they are due to the lack of mindfulness, which will not allow us to get past our self-inflicted dukkha, dukkha being the word for suffering or stress, um, not being in the flow with how things are. We will try again and again to find someone who is to blame or someone who can distract us. So there's a real difference between this physical and mental solitude. And yet, although I agree with everything she's saying, we take the act of the physical sometimes first, finding that physical solitude. But it's important for us not to stop there or not, and also not to depend on that. We can, in fact, find this, this sweet mental solitude in any moment, whether it's here in the monastery and there's a bunch of commotion going on outside like it was today. Our solitude is not disrupted by that. Or perhaps the person next to you is coughing. Not a problem. 
when we're in this place of inner, inner peace and solitude, aloneness. Or when we're out and about, driving our car, uh, at work, when we're with our family, when we're in the middle of complete chaos, there can be this place of solitude, of deep connection to what's really true. So perhaps I'll just stop there. And uh, I'd love to hear if there are any comments or experience that you've had with these two things, loneliness, um, aloneness, or if there are any questions that are arising about this topic. And we will pass the mic. I'll need help with that (laughs) if someone is willing. Oh, great. And that just helps with the audio recording, but also for everyone to be able to hear. Ivy. Oh, I think I turned it on already. Hello? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. We're good for now. Um, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing this. Um, it seems like really great timing in my own life, but uh, it's so interesting you talk about this, the loneliness that can come up in retreat. And I um, was up at Spirit Rock for a day long, um, so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the same kind. But it's interesting. I notice that um, when I'm watching the thoughts that are going through my mind, they fall typically in one of two ca- categories: one, which is planning, and the other is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I noticed this years ago. I'm always <laughs> I'm regularly telling people about the experience that I'm having currently. Like I'm talking to someone, like I can't wait to tell them about X, Y, Z. In your um, mind. In my mind, yeah, in my yeah. mind. <laughs> and um, on this retreat was the first time that I really actively released that and was like, I'm actually not talking to anyone. And and it, that feeling of loneliness came in and I was like, wow, I'm kind of sad by that realization a little bit, you know? Um and so I just love that, I mean, that was the first time I'd ever experienced that. And so I, I love that that's sort of a normal part of it. And actually, actually, like, that's an indicator of being on the right path now that you think about it, you know. And so um, that's really cool, and knowing that, actually releasing that storytelling and, 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 and finding that aloneness is, helps, you know, build some strength and, and everything in everyday life, so... Yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. I think it is a really common experience. It's like Ayakema was saying, you know, we'll find anything to distract ourselves from that experience of loneliness. And that is one of the main ways we do it is that mental, consistent chatter that we have, that we, it's so habitual And then when we see it on retreat and we aren't feeding it anymore, we're trying not to feed it anymore, that loneliness arises. And it is. It's so natural. And actually, you're right. It's it's actually quite necessary in some ways to experience that so we can fully understand what are we doing here? What are we filling with all of this mental chatter? Oh, there's, there's loneliness there. I don't want to feel lonely. Oh, there's a not wanting. There's the aversion. There's the wanting for connection. Oh, there's the craving. 
the greed. Oh, wow, it's all rooted in, in some delusion story that I have. Oh, there's the delusion. I mean, it's so deep when we go into it, but we have to be willing to go into it, which is you know, a very powerful thing. I think that when we're in the state of loneliness and it's taking over and we are just being taken for a ride by the loneliness, it's very unempowering. There's nothing empowering about feeling lonely. When we are, when we see it for what it is and then turn towards the solitude, there's something very powerful about that. It's kind of, um, well, it's empowering, but there's, whoops, there's also a choice that we've made there. There's something very conscious happening and can really change the way that we're relating to all of it. It's a, it's a beautiful moment in practice that I sounds like you're either experiencing it or really on the edge of that. It's really nice. Yes, right. You know that choice is there. So now loneliness will come back. It comes back. But we know it. We know what it is. Right. Thank you. Yeah, Alan. Is this still on now that I've dropped it? Uh, Okay. Is it on? (laughs) Yours is on. Okay. Oh, yours is on. Okay, good. Your talk, which was so inspired tonight, I feel like, but your, your, your talk reminded me so much of the very first time I went on a silent, a, a several-day retreat at Spirit Rock. It was mm, maybe six months after my husband had died, and just a few weeks before I was going to... No, actually, it was like a year and a half after my husband had died, and just a few weeks after before I was going to go on a trip by myself to Mexico. And um, so I went on this retreat for several, it was a really short one, maybe three nights. And one of the very first thoughts I had once we went into silence was, wow, this is what it's like, this is what it's going to be like in Mexico when I won't be able to talk to anybody about my problems. And... um, it was such a safe place to feel that, mm-hmm. and it was a huge revelation for me to realize and to go through it, to realize, you know, hey, you know, I can feel lonely, feel like I want to talk to somebody. There's no one there to talk to, and it was okay. You know, it was okay. You know, I, but I remember thinking while I was there, if I really freak out, I can talk to somebody, you know? Right. And it was such a... I think I was able to kind of start slipping into that, moving it into solitude and feeling more comfortable with being alone. And that was really, really a huge lesson Mm. for me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hmm. Anybody else? Okay, how about one more right up in front here? Thank you. Um, I'm not even sure if I'll 
uh, word this question right, but I was just, uh, I've been exploring uh, solitude a lot lately, like going camping alone a lot. And I've come to this point where I'm starting to feel less lonely alone than with people. Mm. And I was just wondering if you had any advice on how to guide it back to in like hmm. to feeling more connected to people again once you've dived deep into solitude. Yeah, that's a great question. Were you all able to hear the question? I'll just I'll paraphrase. Um, so she was saying that um, she's been cultivating this solitude quite a bit, going camping alone and spending time alone, and now uh, finding that she's uh, feeling more connected alone than with other people. And I think this this is not uncommon. Um, it's kind of like. You're in the image that comes to mind is you're you're um, working out one arm and not the other, <laughs> you know. So you've gotten really good at the one, you know. You've cultivated that. You it's become quite natural state, and it might be that um, just who you are, your personality, or um, yeah, it might be that you're more prone to that too. So that could be true too. So the challenges and the question was, how do I, you know, balance it out? How do I bring it back to connect, really feeling connected when I'm around other people? Hmm. Let me just think of how to really respond to that. Because there's not going to be a, a, a real pinpoint answer to it. <laughs> it's going to be practice and, and exploration, a willingness to explore that. Perhaps that's the place to start is just seeing, and you're already naming it for yourself. Oh, this is a place where I need more development. Uh, and I want, wanting to actually develop it. And so going with that intention, really having that intention, and finding opportunities to be among people and explore for yourself, question, how can I be still in that state of, Solitude. Can you bring that state of solitude with you and be with other people and, and feel the connection with them? Sometimes uh, what I find is helpful when I, and especially when I first come off of a long retreat where there's been so much cultivation and silence and in that place of physical solitude, and then I'm ba- back out into the world and needing to be normal with other people. <laughs> it's not so easy at first. So sometimes I, what I do is I stay connected in the ways that I did when I was on that retreat, when I was in that physical solitude, really feeling my body here, feeling my feet, feeling grounded. The breath can be really helpful. Feeling connected with my heart and my heart's intention to be connected with myself as well as other people. And from there, having it really sourced right here in the body and then radiating it or expanding my, my, um, my boundary <laughs> out to include whoever I'm with so that I'm not needing to change who I am because of the other person. It's more like I'm just letting them into my space of solitude. 
And so how they are is completely up to them. And this is true for, for relationships in general, I think, that, you know, you know, how, how, how they're thinking and feeling about us is kind of their own trip. <laughs> and how we're experiencing that is our trip, <laughs> right? So we, we have to take responsibility for our own stuff. Um, so, and, and when we're not in that, when we're trying really hard to connect with another person and tra- changing ourselves and not being grounded, not being present, um, then we lose something there. We, we lose track of our mindfulness and of our presence. So it's, it's just a different way of relating. So I don't know if this is making sense. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, so just kind of experimenting with that, expanding the boundaries a bit. You don't have to, you don't have to change you and what you're doing to be with all those people. And it might actually be so sweet, actually, to connect with people in that way. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, well, we'll we'll stop there and dedicate the merit. So make that shift. If you haven't been in that space of inner solitude already, I invite you to find whatever is closest to that for you, whether it's just feeling the body sitting here or the breath, feeling your own inner presence. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.